0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Michigan. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org.
1: We are just a few days away from Christmas. Can you feel it? There's this anticipation in our hearts that we cannot deny. There's feelings of peace and nostalgia that only comes once a year. This year has been hard, which makes my invitation to you even greater. I'm inviting you home for Christmas. The service will take us on a journey far from home, walking alongside the wise men as they traveled a path illuminated by a single star. These wise men came proclaiming the good news of the king, but they left in silence. They came bearing gifts, but they left with hearts overflowing. What changed everything? An encounter with Jesus. There are two ways you can experience Christmas at Kensington this year in person at one of our six campuses or watch the exclusive online only service our limited capacity in-person services are filling up quickly so please reserve your tickets today if you plan on celebrating at one of our campuses physical distancing and health protocols are in place to ensure that we can celebrate safely head to kensingtonchurch.org slash christmas or open up the app to save your seat and if you have little ones please read about our limited capacity K-Kids program available during some service times on our website. And for those of you planning on being home for Christmas, probably watching in your Christmas PJs, we cannot wait for you to experience the online-only exclusive service. In fact, all campuses came together this past week right here behind me to create a memorable and meaningful Christmas at-home experience. Teaching pastors from each campus are bringing the message to your living room. Be ready to sing, light your candles, and celebrate the newborn king. Just for good measure, everything you need to know about Christmas at Kensington can be found at kensingtonchurch.org slash christmas. If you have any questions, please text 313-454-1433 and we will be happy to answer them promptly. Merry Christmas.
2: Ready for Christmas? I mean, really? Are you ready for Christmas? Okay, not bad. The first service is sort of, sort of mellow. Yeah, it's this week. I don't know if you noticed, it's this week, and we got services here Wednesday, which are going to be my last two, and then Thursday, and then we move into 2021. Finally, (laughs) hopefully, it'll be different. We don't know. Um, But anyway, my name is Dave Wilson, and. Uh, some of you know this, some of you don't, but this is my last Sunday. This is uh, our goodbye Sunday, and of all times to get COVID, I got COVID last week, and uh, I'm out of quarantine now, but my wife is behind me in, in COVID, so she's still in quarantine, so she can't even, she can't even be here. So what a weird uh, way to go out at Kensington, and can't be here. Uh, my middle son, Austin, who lives in Colorado with his four kids, our four grandkids, they were flying in yesterday, and they said, you got COVID? See ya. <laughs> so they didn't come in. And they, they rescheduled to come in after Christmas. Uh, my oldest son, CJ, and his wife, Robin, are watching from downtown in Detroit. They just said, we'll stay here. And Cody's supposed to have a baby today, or yesterday, or the day before, or tomorrow. And I didn't think he's going to be here, and he just walked in. So I'm very excited to have Cody here. Uh, his wife, Jenna, is home with Bryce, and she's today? Tomorrow? If it doesn't happen today or tomorrow, they're going to induce on on uh, Tuesday. And should I? Oh, she do not want me telling tell anybody? You didn't hear that. <laughs> Jenna, I'm sorry. If you're watching, do, do I tell him about her knee? No? Okay, okay. She's got a little thing going on with her knee, too. Anyway, you know, the Wilsons, you just sort of get it off, you know, sort of how it's going to be. So uh, today, you're going to watch a video in a few minutes, which is weird. I'm setting up a video that I'm in. <laughs> It's just strange, but it's the way it is. Uh, for the last three weeks, we've been looking at Mark and Callie's video two weeks ago and Steve and Paula last week, and today is Ann and I. And I do want to just take the offering now as, as we start the day, and I know that means we don't pass a pouch because we're in COVID, so nothing gets passed. All of our giving now is right here online, and uh, I just got to say thank you because through this whole pandemic, you have been uh, strong in your giving, and this is year-end, and so it means a lot. To us, and we uh, thank you for that. So that's how you can do that. And if you're brand new, that's how you just jump in. It's very safe and it's the easiest way to do it. So, with further ado, here's the uh, last 30 years of my life at Kensington wrapped up in 18 minutes. All right? So, enjoy this. My upbringing with my mom is sort of funny now, but we were Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Episcopalian. I'm not kidding. We did all those different churches every year, and I didn't know until high school when I asked her mom that why do we keep switching churches? Were you looking for a man? And she was, she said, yeah. And she was in different singles groups in these different churches. The interesting thing for me is I experienced church life in every denomination, and they were all pretty similar. It was pretty boring, it was pretty not relevant to your life, the music was pretty bad. After college, came on staff with Athletes in Action, so um, Ann and I were sent to the University of Nebraska. Didn't even know what a Nebraska Cornhusker was, but we were now working with college athletes at the University of Nebraska. And um, one afternoon I found myself with uh, my trainer. Uh, Barry was taking me out and we were going sort of down door, dorm room hallways looking for people that might be open to the gospel. And we ended up uh, knocking on a door. This guy had his door open. He's playing electric guitar. and gotta be honest he was really bad he didn't know how to play electric guitar and he's in there playing and barry says hey you know would you be interested in, in doing a survey about god and the guy goes and that's how we sort of open the conversation with a survey and he goes not not interested guys and i'm like okay let's go you know and i turn and barry's like yeah well you know it's not like a religious thing just a survey he goes i told you guys not interested next thing i know barry grabs me and he goes hey dave here plays the guitar and i'm like what are you doing and the guy goes really you know he's looking at these christian guys you play guitar and i'm like barry what are you doing he goes yeah dave let dave play the guitar a little bit and the guy's like here you go dude you know thinking i'm gonna play kumbaya or something so i sit down with his guitar and i look at him i go you know name a band and he goes yes i go no no just name a band he goes yes so I play a little roundabout, give me a guitar, I'll do it. And, and you know, we, we, we play Beatles, we play Leonard Skinner, we play Deep Purple. I mean, I'm just having a blast. And he, this guy is just mesmerized. And so after a few minutes of playing some of the songs that he loved, he looks at me and goes, yeah, you know, maybe I am interested in hearing a little bit about God. We led that guy to Christ. And so when we started Kensington, we thought, could there be a way to utilize the arts For the kingdom because god created the arts and god loves the arts and god brings excellence to the arts and so when mark nelson joined steve and i he brought that excellence in the arts idea one of his first visions was if we do arts with excellence we will attract excellent artists the great artists will come to a church where the arts are appreciated and done well and day one i mean compared to how we do arts now it was not even close We cared about music, we cared about production, we cared about sound, we cared about all kinds of artistic mediums beyond just music. We had drama, we had a little bit of video. Now we have a lot of video, but it was like, let's do this well, because this honors God. Excellence in the arts honors God. You know, for 15 years right out of college, we were on staff with Athletes in Action, which means we use the medium or platform of sports To reach people with the gospel people think i was the nfl chaplain for the lions for 33 seasons because i love football that's why they a lot of people think oh you just love football so much you want to be a part of that i mean yeah i I do love football and i enjoy it it was bigger than that it's like these guys have a platform in our in our society it's crazy sometimes why they have a platform because they can play football but they do and people listen what they have to say so we just knew that if, man, we can reach them for Christ, they have an incredible platform, incredible influence. People will listen to what they have to say. So if they can understand not only how to, how to know Christ, but to make him known, oh, my goodness, can they have an impact on our world? So that has always been our heart is, yeah, God gave us athletic abilities so, so we can uh, relate and connect, but it's been bigger than that. It's God wants to reach them to reach others. And the same thing is true in music. Uh, I'm just so thankful to God that he gave me uh, just a love for music. My dad was a drummer. I can remember going to restaurants with him and before the meal was done, he'd be on stage playing drums in the band. Here I am, a little boy watching that and I start playing guitar and I was in a band when I was in sixth grade and seventh grade. I actually had a bang that I used to flip around and sing and uh, I just love music. And so I saw God could use sports to reach people and he uses music. It's a medium that he wants to, sort of utilized to reach people with the gospel well i mean i think the biggest thing that that we tried to understand to reach an unchurched guy was who is he and so one of the important things is we couldn't separate our lives from the unchurched world and so often in church work you can it's easy to do that you get on the holy hill and all you hang around are christians and that's a wonderful thing but it's like no we need to be out in the community interacting with people that don't go to church and understanding how they think. And they don't really think that much different than we do, but I was coaching high school football. I was in sports leagues. We were, had our kids in sports leagues. So we're rubbing shoulders with families and we're talking to them. We're having dinner with them. And you realize the things they're thinking about, the things they're passionate about, the things they have questions about. And so we tried to design a weekend service that would be invitational that if they heard about it, they would say, you're talking about that at church. Yeah, I wanna come, you're talking about marriage? You're talking about conflict in marriage? You're talking about stress? You're talking about money? And you're gonna give us God's perspective on that? Yeah, I'll I'll check that out. Churches weren't talking about relevant topics at that time. And if they were, it was hard to distinguish what are they saying and how do I apply it? If you've ever heard me preach, you know at the end of every sermon I'm asking, so what? What does this theology and doctrine have to do with how I'm gonna live today in my family room? as a dad, as a husband, as a wife, as a mom, as a, as, a, as a workman, as a workwoman, a businesswoman.
3: Whatever the problem is, whether it's fear or
2: anxiety or your marriage or relationships or your kids or your health or your finances, I could list 50 things. Guess what I'm gonna say every time, Jesus. We tried to design a weekend that you would literally leave and call your neighbor and say, you gotta come to this. You gotta, and they'd be like, yeah, like I'm gonna go to church, trust me. It's different than you ever thought. The arts are going to be done well. They're going to be powerful. The message is going to be practical and life-changing. you got to come, and people came. Well, I think it's really easy after you become a Christian and you walk with God for a while and you get in the Christian community, you don't even realize you're starting to talk in a language that people outside of that, outsiders, don't understand. Justification, sanctification, glorification. What do those words mean? Even uh, being born again or saved. Um, so we were very careful to say, explain those. Um, I rarely use the term Christian. I said, Christ follower, a person who follows and lives his life according to the way Christ wants you to. I would have people sometimes come up to me, uh, and it can still even happen, and say, hey, you know what? You really don't need to explain that Paul wrote a book called Ephesians that it's written to a church in Ephesus, and here's what it, I go, oh, I'm not, you know, these are Christians coming up to me. You don't need to explain that. We know that. And I go, I'm not talking to you. Your neighbor doesn't know that. And when they hear that, they go, this is a letter? I grew up in a church they talked about the epistle of Paul, and I'm like, I thought it was a gun. I had no idea what an epistle was. It's a letter. And that, that helps the person go, oh, so the Bible's not some scary document that I can't understand. He wrote a letter to people that were dealing with this issue, and here's what he said about it. That that takes the defensiveness defensiveness down of the, of the young church guy going, oh, maybe I can open this book that I've been so scared of and understand it. We knew from even dating and engaged days when we were talking about uh, the future, not really getting married, but what does God want to do with our lives? I can remember on one of our first dates, her sharing her vision for her life at the Finley Reservoir. I was 18 years old. Yeah, and I'm 21, almost 22. And I remember sitting there listening to, to Ann share that. She's like just out of high school. And I remember thinking I've never heard a young woman share a passion for Jesus and what he wants to do with her life. It was like, I knew in that moment, whether she marries me or not, it doesn't matter. She is gonna go after him and God is gonna use her in a powerful way to reach people. So then when we got married, it's like, I think God wants to do that with us together. Well,
4: here's what we even thought. When I heard Dave's story of how he came to know Jesus, what he wanted to do with his life, I thought, this guy's gonna change the world. And I already had this passion and this fire in me, like I wanna tell everybody I know about Jesus because I didn't grow up in a Christian home where we talked about him. I think they knew God, but I just was like, how are people not talking about this? How are we not telling people this? And so when we started talking, I think the question was, could we do this together? Like there's almost this part, like I think we could be better together than separate. So we were even at the beginning very missional, and we're like, oh, we could do this. And I don't think it was about sharing about Jesus. I don't think it was about sharing marriage as much as Jesus. And so, but that we, we went to a marriage conference two weeks before we got married. And we're like, this stuff is great. We won't need it, of course, because because we love each other. and We love and, Jesus. Yes. It'll be perfect and easy. And then we really struggled. And I just... I don't I think we wanted to hide in that like we really struggled and we when we started Kensington we were really struggling in our marriage and it's really miraculous of how God kind of saved us and resurrected our marriage but that gave us an even greater desire to help people that were struggling
2: nobody ever talked about the struggle especially from the stage and so we realized early on that as we shared our struggle, first sort of privately with a few friends and then more public on the stage, people were like, uh, that's where we're living too. We have the same struggle. You're actually talking about that? Like your weaknesses and your flaws, you're going to reveal those. Why? Because it turned not only us, but now people listening, he's the answer. And so we got to say, we're just like you, we're struggling like you, but we've also discovered something maybe you haven't discovered yet. Jesus really does make a difference and here's how. So that's what vertical marriage became, this way to point people through their struggle, whether it's marriage or any other area of their life, to go vertical and find out, wow, there really is life in Christ. And then that comes into your marriage and other aspects of your life where I'm no longer now trying to get from my spouse. I've gotten from Christ, so I'm a giver, I'm a server. That's a beautiful thing and most people have never experienced that. So we we really thought we're gonna hide all this well, but we, discovered we really can't one. hide anything. Yeah.
4: It just kind of spews out. But I think that that is true. Nobody was talking about their pain. Yeah. Nobody was talking about their marriages that were suffering. And so it just kind of came out. It's, kind, it's pretty much who we are. But we realized, oh, like these people started surfacing. Like we're struggling to help us. So there was this great, and I love that about Kensington. I love the authenticity piece that is like, we're not perfect, but look what God has done.
2: One of our core values, um, we call it from brokenness, is, and I remember the day we wrote these words, and every word was specific. Um, We recognize and reveal our brokenness to point to the power of God. And I think that captures what we hope God would do here is, number one, recognize it. You know, we always would it's so easy to deny it. I'm not weak. I'm not broken. No, yeah, we are. We actually are broken. It's one thing to recognize it. Then it's okay to reveal it. It's okay to confess it, to say I'm a broken person. Our marriage is struggling, but it doesn't end there. You know, Paul didn't say, I am weak. No, he says, in my weakness, I'm made strong. What? Through the power of the gospel of Christ. So it's like we recognize and reveal our brokenness to point to the power of God. So it's like, you don't stop at the brokenness. You recognize and reveal it, but God has changed us. Yeah. And we have a new identity in Christ. We're new creatures in Christ. And so there's a power of God that wants to meet us right in the, in the middle of the brokenness and give hope to people that think, I can never change. Oh, yeah, you can. Because God is powerful, and he can do in you what he's done in us. And I think over and over, thousands, tens of thousands of times, that's what God has done in us and through us and now is doing through the people of Kensington to their local communities and the world. It's a beautiful, humbling thing to be a part of and to watch God do.
4: I think when we see marriages restored, when we see love restored, that's everything. We made this decision to be all in.
5: I decided I'm gonna be all in in all my next decisions. And then over time, you look back and you think, huh. This is a really good life and not a perfect life but it's a life where we can see God's handprints all the way through because we chose to walk with him all the way through
4: the most satisfying part is when their love is restored and their marriage is restored because of their walk with God because of the power of Jesus because of going vertical I think that's when we're like oh that's so exciting because that's where legacies change that's where, oh, they're going to pass that on to their kids. Not only a great marriage, but their passion and their walk with Jesus is going to be passed on, where now their kids have a purpose and they have meaning and they have something to live for.
2: I mean, my hope for Kensington in the future is that they always continue to reach an impact through the mission statement. I think the mission statement is still the greatest heart of Kensington. It's the heart of Jesus. I really believe that. It's its funny, Dan, you'll remember back in the day, we had this really long mission statement that nobody could remember to turn people who think God is irrelevant into fully devoted followers of Christ through, through, I don't even remember, through planting churches, you know, and it's like, no wonder nobody remembered that because like, I could barely remember it. And so about 10 years ago, we sat down and said, we need to say the same thing in a memorable way and it's to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus to see everyone in parentheses meaning there's a focus on the one that Jesus leads the 99 sheep for the one so there's a focus on that but it doesn't mean the everyone doesn't everyone matters but there's this focus never forget the person that's on the outside transformed and mobilized and I really hope that's what we've done I hope it never stops that the gospel in Christ transforms people's lives but it doesn't stop there now they're mobilized to go change the world. If that's what Kensington does, and it's gonna look different, because the culture's different and the unchurched person's different, it's gonna have a different feel, that's exactly what should happen, but the heart hopefully never goes away, that it's always still gonna be about God, use us to reach people far from you, to see you transform them and send them on mission
4: locally and globally. And I would add, I think it's so important, when we started we were all desperate like we can't do this apart from you God we cannot do this Jesus without you and then you start to grow and people start coming and money starts coming and we're putting on these incredible weekend services where a lot of your time and energy can go to all those things and I hope they never lose that desperateness for God I cannot do this apart from you Because I think in time, you guys learned how to put on a great weekend service. And you could do that. Like you knew what it took to do that. But there's something about being on your knees before God of saying, I can do nothing apart from you. And so not losing that vertical piece, that not losing that need for God and that intimacy with God of knowing him, being with him, being in the word. Because that's what sets other people free to live out what God. I mean, in a sense,
2: it's John 15:5 where yeah. Jesus said, "I am the vine; you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But if you abide in me, you bear much fruit." And I think that is the heart of the leadership here, and really everyone here on their face, saying, "God, apart from you, I can't do anything. Would you bear fruit through me?" That desperateness for for Jesus. I would pray, and I do pray, that if you're brand new today and you don't know who these old people are, you would discover today and forever how much you're loved by God, and that He made you for a purpose, He loves you, He knows you, and He He wants to be a part of your life and change you in a way that you will literally change the world. God has a purpose for your life. And It may be starting right here, right now, but once you discover how loved you are, you will go on a journey that will literally change you and change everybody that comes in contact with you.
6: I okay. Need a-
2: So, what do you say after that? Uh, besides thank you. Um, I didn't write a message, I didn't write anything, you know, specifically to say today, but there's some people that, you know, after 30 years of being in ministry together and doing life together, that I need to thank. Um, first of all, you know, when I met Steve and Mark, a lot of you obviously weren't around way back then. This is over 30 years ago. And we started dreaming about what now is known as Kensington has been a tremendous blessing from Steve, Steve and Mark and Steve and Paula and Mark and Callie for them to allow me and Ann to be who we are. I mean, there was really never a time that they tried to make us who we are, aren't, you know, it's just like be you. And some of you know, you've been around here long enough to know that can get pretty crazy at times and a little wild and you never know what I might do up here. And uh, sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. In fact, it's sort of funny, I, I didn't say this last service, but the reason we have a Christmas premiere, we do a rehearsal. You know, before we do our Christmas service, we do a rehearsal for our staff. We didn't do it this year because of COVID. But the reason we have a Christmas rehearsal is because I bombed so bad at one of our first Christmas Eve services at Troy. They're like, don't ever do that again. I had my guitar and I played some rock thing and it didn't work. Anyway, um, but they gave me the freedom to do that kind of stuff. So it's a real blessing to say thank you to Steve and Mark. And uh, somebody that can't be here today has been my uh, executive assistant. Uh, For the last 30 years, Debbie Popchuck, I know many of you know Debbie, and there's nothing that would happen in my life if she wasn't taking care of all the details, and she can't be here today because she's going to see her kids next week, and they don't want her and Andy around people, so she's watching. Debbie, thank you. Andy, thank you. You know better than anybody how much you've meant to us. We could not have done any of this without you, and the future can't do without you as well, so she's been incredible. And then, uh, there's so many, but I really just want to uh, thank my family. Here's a picture that I just uh, sent in this morning of our family from a couple years ago. Actually, we need a more recent one with all the grandkids, because there's uh, five now, soon to be six. Cody is going to have one uh, this weekend, so that'll be our sixth grandchild, but uh, obviously it's Ann and I on the far left, and our oldest son, CJ, and Robin are on the right, and Austin and Kendall, who... Uh, Again, they live in Colorado. They've got two of their kids, actually three. She's holding one of their... At that time, Holden was a foster baby. Now he's adopted in Olive and Porter. And then Cody and Jenna, this is before they had Bryce and soon to be Autumn. Um, But here's what I like. As you look at that picture, first thing I'd like to say is thank you to my wife, Ann. I don't know if you can appreciate this. Um, Being a pastor and even a founding pastor of a place like Kensington or any church is really, really hard on the family. I mean, you think it's, it's really difficult because you give so many hours. I know many jobs are like this, but it's just your heart is, is I, I got, I, I, I've never experienced weekends like I've been experiencing lately because I'm not preaching here every weekend. It's just like, that's how people live, they have weekends. It's really an amazing thing. You know, in ministry, you don't you work on weekends and you don't take a day off and you say you do, you never do, and so the family pays for that. And uh, some of you know that Ann, uh, the year we started Kensington, 1990, many of you know this, but that's also the year she said to me, I've lost my feelings for you. That's as we were starting Kensington, she said, I'm done. And a large reason for that was I was never home. I was doing this, trying to do what God had called us to do, and it's real easy to get so focused on that, you leave your family and your wife in the dust, and thank God that Now we're married 40 years, and we actually love each other more today than we did when we started Kensington, which I would have never thought was possible. And we really love each other because we spent the last week in COVID together. So, you know, we couldn't go anywhere. We were just locked down in our house. And uh, again, she's still there. She's got got a couple more days of quarantine to go. Um, But man, I would just, she's, she's not here. I'm looking at you, honey, and I love you. You've been the greatest ministry partner ever. And I can't wait for the next 20, 30 years to keep going. As many of you know, Ann has a fire for Jesus that is contagious. And it has led in many ways this place uh, through her and through me together. And then, you know, it's really really interesting. If you look at my two of of my three sons I've gotten to do ministry with, my oldest son, CJ, with his wife, Robin, they live down in Seven Mile and Woodward. And, you know, it's really interesting as I look at that is CJ got in a uh, youth group a small group in middle school here at Kensington over 20 years ago. He got in with some guys. Guess what? They're still meeting. They still go on vacations together with their leader, Frank Kerr, who was an attorney here. He said, I'm going to pour into middle school boys. CJ and his buddies from that group are still doing that to this day. Is that the coolest thing ever? That is a a church impacting a couple. And then you got Austin and Kendall in the middle, and they have... Uh, four kids. In fact, pop up, the, uh, pop up the picture of our grandkids. Here's our grandkids. I showed this a couple weeks ago. Um, but uh, Austin's kids are Olive on the far right, who I'm holding. Uh, Porter right there beside the one in the smiley face is number two. And then in Ann's right arm is Holden, who was a foster baby. Now they've adopted him. And his little brother's got the smiley face. His name is Ryder. And you can't show his face yet because he hasn't been adopted. But hopefully that'll happen as well. And then you got Bryce, Cody's son, right there sitting in front of Ann. I mean, that's our legacy. You're looking at our legacy, which is is incredible. Okay, go back to the other picture, because here's the thing. Austin was going to come today, and Austin and I are also in ministry together, which is really cool, is because Austin actually owns a literary agency. You know what that is? That's an agency that connects authors to publishers to get book deals. Guess who my agent is? Austin, Austin is my agent, and he got us our first book deal with uh, Zondervan three, three years ago, and he got us our second book deal with Zondervan this past year, and our next book comes out in April, you'll probably see me back here again in April, we're going to do a series on it called No Perfect Parents, and uh, that it, it's been a joy to work, you know, with Austin in that. And then, obviously, you know, Cody and Jenna, Cody was uh, here for the last uh, couple years, and many of you know this, I've gotten to do ministry with Cody for... Nine years? Yeah, nine years. When he graduated from college, he ended up under Detroit Lions for a couple seasons uh, on the practice squad there. And, um, you know, I thought it would be the coolest thing in the world to be the dad of the chaplain of the team and have a son be in the locker room. You know, I, I shared last service, he'd he beside Calvin Johnson, so Calvin's like 6'6", and Cody's like 5'9". Five nine? He thinks he's 5'10". He's five nine. You know, that was and thing, and I thought that would be the coolest thing ever. It was not as good as being on staff here with Cody at Kensington for seven years, and then the last two years here at Orion. As many of you know, that, that young man marked this place. His fire was contagious and really marked <laughs> us and Kensington and Orion, and it's really a joy to have him here today. I didn't think he was going to be able to make it today because they're going to have a baby, but... Uh, you know, those I have to thank first, and I don't know who else besides uh, this incredible Orion team that we've had. Many of you know when we started uh, Orion campuses, actually at that time in 2003, was called Kensington North. Anybody from Kensington North days? Rochester Adams High School, we were called North because it was the only other campus we had, so it was north of Troy, so we called it Kensington North. And our campus director then was an incredible woman named Nancy Worm and her husband, Joe. They were phenomenal. And then we opened up a a sort of a video campus in Lake Orion High School. Some of you might have started there. And we still had Rochester Adams going. So Becky Lee led Rochester Adams. She was our campus director, which was amazing. And then Nancy. And then when we came here, we combined back together. And I had two campus directors. I had Nancy and Becky, which was incredible because they're amazing. And now we have Susan Welsh. So we've had amazing leaders of this campus. I don't know if you know this, but I don't lead this campus. I never really have. They do. I mean, you come up and ask me questions. I'm like, I don't know. Ask them. Because they know everything. And our staff here has been just just a joy to work with. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. Am I forgetting anybody, Susan? (laughs) I'm hoping I'm catching almost everybody. But, I mean, there's so many people to thank. And, you know, I just thought uh, in my few minutes I'd give you just a thought or two. And here's my thought as I sort of exit into our future ministry And the the first thought would be this, take the leap of faith. If I could inspire you one last time, take a risk with God. Don't play it safe. Don't settle for a mediocre, lukewarm Christian walk, which I gotta be honest, that is the majority of most churches. Be a person that takes a risk with God, that steps out and trusts God in such a scary way that if God doesn't show up, you're toast. If we hadn't have done that 30 years ago, we're not here today. And when we started, I mean, it's easy to sit here and think, oh, this is, this is you know, incredible. God was always there. there. There are buildings now, and there's global impact. None of that was in our mind. We had no idea what God was going to do. We just knew God was calling us to do something. It was really scary, there was really no salaries or anything attached to it. It was just like, okay, you're going to go on this adventure or not, or am I going to use somebody else? Because I think if we wouldn't have done it, somebody else would have done it, and we would have watched it. But we stepped out and took this scary, you know, you don't know if he's going to make the ground solid until you hit it, and you won't know. And I'm telling you what, it's so easy to sit at church and hear stories from up here and go, wow, that is so inspiring. I wish God would do something like that in my life. And he does when you take a step of faith. Otherwise, you're just listening to somebody else's story. Don't you want that story to be your story? Yeah. So I I just want to inspire one last time. It's like, go for it. Just step out whatever God's calling you to do. And I'm guessing, even as I say this, some of you already know, God's been speaking to you. God's been nudging you or maybe pulling you to do something. And you've been afraid. I'm telling you, If you're thinking, is God talking to me right now? He is talking to you through me right now. Like, yes, go for it. If it's like, make your marriage the best it's ever been, then step in there and do it. If it's getting a men's group with other guys or getting a women's group or getting a couple's group or or, or getting a move out group, whatever it is that seems too scary to you. Or maybe it's like, I'm going to finally make 2021 the year I literally understand and and read the word of God and let it become a part of my life. I don't know what it is. Or maybe I'm going to give more money than I've ever given before. I don't know what it is, but go for it. Take the leap of faith and know the thrill of being scared to death on a wild adventure with God. There's nothing like it. It'll blow your hair right off, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to be funny. Anyway, it is the truth. All right, so that's one thought. Here's another thought that's been resonating in me the last several times I've spoken here. Maybe you've, you've caught this, what God's been saying to me. And it's like this. Choose better over bitter. Choose better over bitter. For 30 years, I've said trials or adversity or pain will make you better or bitter. The choice is yours, and I think it's real easy to choose to be bitter when life doesn't go the way we want. Let me tell you, 2020 has been a really hard year. Am I right? It's been a really hard year. I mean, there's good things in it, and we're doing okay. It's really hard. Somebody said to me the other day, he "Goes, dude, just be honest. This is a hard year for everybody in the world, not just even here. Everybody." And, you know, for the Wilson family, going through what we've been going through this past year, has been hard as well during a pandemic. I don't know if some of you even realize this, but back in November last year, which is right obviously before the pandemic, we had to put down our our golden retriever, Duke, who'd been with us almost 14 years. And I know that's nothing, right? That's a big deal. It's like a a family member, am I right? And we've always had golden retrievers, and we didn't even replace Duke because we're traveling, and it just doesn't feel like the right time, but... I'll never forget, I was getting ready to come over here and preach on a Sunday morning. It was Saturday night, Ann and I were watching TV and she's laying on the floor with Duke and we knew he's getting old and showing some signs and she looks over at me, and she goes, man, I'm feeling his abdomen, he's got a tumor or something, I got to take him in tomorrow. So I come over here to preach and I get done with the Second service right? And I set up a video at the end of my message, and I go sit down. It was right here because we had the little stage out. Remember that? Remember we used to have a stage out there? So I sit down, and as I open my phone up, as I sit down, I get a text from Ann that says, I'm at the vet. He's full of cancer. When church is over, we need to put him down. And I start crying. I mean, I love this dog, and I just tear up. I'm not kidding. There's a lady sitting right beside me, has no idea what's going on. She leans over, and she goes, hey, haven't you already seen this video before? (laughs) And I'm not going to tell her, you know, I just found out I'm putting my dog down in a couple hours, but I just said, yeah, it's really emotional. (laughs) But I mean, that was like the beginning, and none of us knew in November what December, January, February was going to bring, but then you walk into this year. Where we moved Ann's mom and dad from their forever home in Georgia to a nursing home in Columbus. In fact, here, here's a picture of uh, Ann and her mom, Toot. And I, if, you, if you know Ann, I'm telling you that woman, Toot, is where Ann gets it. She is a woman of joy, right? And so here's a picture of her mom and dad, Dick and Toot. Dick was my high school coach, he became really my dad, that's them in their new nursing home that we moved them into, which was really a hard thing. You can imagine leaving your home your whole life, you raised all, your, all these grandkids, and then you end up in a nursing home, and about three months after that move, Toot died, and she passed, and so Dick is there now by himself during covid which last week they locked him down and said, you can't even leave your room, even go down to the dining hall. You're just locked in, and he's the biggest extrovert ever. And it's the hardest thing to watch them go through that during this. And many of you know, as all that's happening... Uh, we in Kensington are talking about uh, the end of our run here, you know, called succession. And that's not an easy discussion, you know, trying to figure out what's the right time for us, what's the right time for you and Kensington. And, you know, what's God doing in our ministry? And it became clear that, you know, at the end of the year, obviously we're here now, is what God is transitioning us to do what he's been doing with us in the last really 30 years with Family Life and the last few years with the radio podcast. By the way, so many people ask me, what podcast is it? Family Life Today. Family Life Today. It's not Family Life Radio. It's Family Life Today program. And so we've been doing that. And so we were transitioned trying to figure that all out as well. And at the same time, you know, Cody finds out that he's not going to be on staff here at Kensington. Uh, There wasn't a position for him. So all that's happening in the Wilson family This past year. And I tell you what, you've gone through some of the same stuff, right? You've lost jobs. You've maybe lost uh, loved ones or friends through COVID or other ways. I mean, I just found out this week, Nino Pecoraro died. Nino and Sid were one of our founding mentor couples for our whole marriage mentoring ministry. And so he just went through COVID and passed. And I mean, it's been a really, really hard year. And when pain happens in our life, We can get bitter, we can get better. And what I've said the last couple times I've preached here is God is in the middle of our pain. Have I said that? God is in the middle of our pain. He's right there. You think he's abandoned you? Nope. He's right with you. And actually, I tried to say this the last uh, several months, not only is he in our pain, but he actually wants to use that pain to lead us to our purpose. The very ministry that Ann and I are going to be doing for our future is out of brokenness in our marriages and out of the broken family that I came out of, and we want to help. It's just like what God is doing. I thought that, that pain in my life would be something that, you know I'd just be bitter about now. It's like actually God wants to use that, and he wants to do the same thing in your life and in my life. And He has great plans for our future, and your future, and Cody's future, and Austin's future, and CJ's future. He does. And so I want to challenge you as I challenge myself. Man, you go forward, get better. Let God meet you in the middle of that pain and use that pain in a way that actually would be a blessing to others later. I know I'm preaching a sermon I did last month, but that is so true. God wants to do that. And the last thing I'll say to you is this. Please, if I could leave you with anything, it would be this. Be a big Godder. It's not the size of your faith that matters. It's the size of your God. You can have mustard seed faith, tiny faith, but if it's in an impotent God, you got nothing. But if you have mustard seed, tiny faith, in a huge, majestic, holy God of all creation who absolutely loves you, God can do great things in you and through you. I'll leave you with this, Ephesians 3.20. One of my favorite life verses. Paul writes this, now to him, God, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, He's able to do immeasurably more than you can ask what you pray or even imagine or dream about. He can do more according to the power that is at work within you. What power is that? The Holy Spirit of God in you cannot be stopped. Hear what I'm saying? Man, I hope this place is a ball of fire going forward. I hope your lives are a ball of fire going forward saying, man, I serve a big, awesome God. He wants to do something incredible in me. And I'm not saying that isn't gonna be painful. I'm not saying there aren't gonna be trials and, and hard times in your life. They, there will be. But there's a God who can do immeasurably. How do you define that word immeasurably? You can't even measure what he can and wants to do in your life. And he will step out and trust him Choose better over bitter and follow a big God. My hope for you is that you'll be big Godders, not little Godders. Plenty of little Godders run around. Their God has just been shrunk into nothing. Not too many big Godders run around like, God, I'm going to trust you like never before, and I'm hoping to see you do things I've never seen you do in my life. That's my word for Kensington going forward. I hope you receive it. All right, so with that... And I, and, I, and I, you know, it's my last Sunday, so I can keep doing this. One more thing. Um, no, I will say this. Orion Campus, you've been amazing. You really have. I mean, it's amazing, this campus and this community. And it's true for every campus at, at Kensington. It really is. But, man, I'm a, a little biased leading here for the last 17 years or 18 years at, at Orion. It's like, man, when we ask you to give, you give. We ask you to jump and do stuff. You do it. It's crazy. I mean, move out numbers from Orient are just always high. Retreats, it's just crazy. You are such a blessing to lead because you say jump and you say, how far? Let's go. So thank you for the ride of my life. It's been a joy. And believe it or not, I don't know, I, I have to set up a video now <laughs> that really does capture what God does here. And it's just a recent story that took place even during covid and it's another, these happen all the time. Thousands of these stories have happened over 30 years, and here's just one of the more recent ones, so enjoy this.
5: My name is Lindsay Greening. I am a single mom of a beautiful daughter. Her name is Skye. I've been in the retail beauty industry for. Gosh, 22 years. Day in, day out, uh, we're a pretty good team, my daughter and I. There's definitely um, challenges every day. It's it's all on my shoulders. Um, Having to work full time, pay all the bills, um, be the rock for my daughter, a good example for my daughter. Everything around the household lays on my shoulders. This year's been obviously very different, um, and I was furloughed a lot of this year. During that time being furloughed, it gave me a ton of time to bond with my daughter for the first time. As a single mom, I've never had that. So, during my childhood, um, I did get the chance to go to church very often and and loved it. The lessons that I learned going to church stuck with me through my whole life, but up until the age of, uh, I was about 12, when my mom had to get a second job, and as a result, she was just very tired and, you know, my dad could have, you know, took, taken us, but he only went to church with us basically at holidays. So holidays and church are very special to me to this day because they're memories I have of our family coming together and I just, I loved them. My daughter's father, um, when she was two months old, he was in Iraq in the army and he was actually killed. And it did kind of shake my faith a little bit. That was a hard, hard hit. And so that was definitely the first blow, and that was a big blow. And that was a blow that, I don't know, I don't, I don't think it really healed completely from until maybe even this year. And it's still obviously a little raw, sorry. Um, and then some of the other hits, um, My daughter was about 8, and my brother passed away unexpectedly. And that hit our family tremendously because he was only 28. And he was a very, very important part of our lives because he was like a father figure to my daughter. And so she had lost her dad, and then she lost another dad figure. And then the next year, we lost my dad. We lost him to a heart attack and kind of a broken heart i think from losing chris so we had a lot of hits a lot of hard times um through the years um but as i said um i know that everything happens for a reason there's some reason we're on this journey and i'm still trying to figure out my brother and my dad um, because it was a big hit to our family and it really kind of tore us up a little bit and um, separated us a little bit. And then myself, I think I closed up a little bit. I had a huge, huge wall up. Um, i not wanting to get hurt again. Kind of initially, like I said, when I was furloughed, it was kind of an exciting time for me because I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to have like a month. I thought maybe a month of no work and I can just relax with Sky and have fun with Sky and and grow and reconnect and figure out what is missing from my life what I can do to kind of make myself a better person and one of those things was wanting to connect more spiritually or to find a community of a church again I have worked in Troy at Somerset Mall for almost 14 years, and during that time, I my commute was taking 19 miles to Coolidge. So every single day, I would drive past this church. I would drive past Kensington, but uh, I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for a lot of years. Um, and I just thought, you know what? No, no, you need to Google Kensington Church, that church you drove past every single day for 13 years. G- Google them. So I Googled Kensington Church, and it was very different. And so I, I watched that entire service, cried a lot during it. Um, but after the service, I still felt good. I didn't feel worse. I didn't feel vulnerable because I was at home and comfortable. And after that service, I did I every single Sunday. Watch service. Even if I was in Grand Rapids with my sister, if I was somewhere else visiting people, I still could quickly pull out my phone and watch online service. I looked forward to it very, very much when your guys' doors were going to open, and that was in July. And then I came to in-person service. So the first time I walked in the doors, um, it was it was quite amazing. I found myself anxious excited but but not nervous which was a difference from the past i I remember sitting down and watching the videos, and that's when I learned about some of the groups that were available. And then uh, School Partners uh, has been so, so close to my heart because before I got bit by the fashion bug, I wanted to be a teacher, and, and that's allowed me to help the teachers and the students in need. And Christy Hayes has been amazing with helping that journey. My daughter and I, we've helped with the Thanksgiving baskets. I've brought friends as often as I can when I'm not ushering. And I didn't realize when I posted on Facebook, uh, one of the first posts was talking about my journey with Kensington, how excited I was to be here. How many of my friends or previous coworkers had went to Kensington and they started joining me here. Uh, we went to a couple Wednesday services, um, a few Sundays. So it just, like I said, it, it's my family. It feels completely at home at this point. If I wouldn't have checked online, checked it out, I think I would still be surviving. I guess that's—I guess that's the best way to, to put it. I was surviving. I had my faith. I had my spirituality. But I guess I wasn't—I wasn't flourishing. I wasn't—I wasn't living the full life that I could have with getting that wall down and connecting with a really great community and family. God, God has always been awesome to me, um, even with all the craziness and the hits we've had. Um, And I think I'm reconnecting closer to who Jesus was and his special role in our lives um, and living a life like Jesus.
0: So as I watch Lindsay's story, I'm first of all amazed again at how beautiful God has made people in people's hearts as they search for him. And it throws me back to well more than 30 years ago when Dave and Mark and I were working out at a fitness club and dreaming about how to reach our generation. And as I look back at all those years, I can honestly tell you, if all of that dreaming and work and planning was just for Lindsay and her daughter, Sky, it would have been more than worth our lives. It's so cool to see her coming to through our online streaming services where not just her, but thousands and thousands of people have reconnected with Christ. And then for her to come to a physical campus and connect with great people, I thought this is the dream of living life in community with Jesus and with people. And so when you make a year-end gift to Kensington, you're investing in people like Lindsay, people who are finding hope for the hurts of their life or just the hole in their heart. And I want to say to you and me, this is such an incredible privilege because in this coming year, we have a chance to reach thousands and thousands of more people who are looking for the missing piece of their life. And we know it's the risen Jesus. And so I want to invite you to make a year-end gift to Kensington to invest in the future of people that matter to God, to people like us, to see everyone transformed and mobilized by Jesus. This is the great adventure that we're on. And I want to thank you for being a part of this, for joining us in this mission, and I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas.
2: And like Steve said, man, every dollar you give changes lives like that. So I sat down over there, and Cody says, hey, I want to come up and say something. So what am I supposed to say?
7: We might go long today. (laughs) Um, Well, I wanted to add uh, to what my dad said um, for myself, for our family. Thank you all for your faithful commitment to Jesus and to Kensington through that. And it was funny for me. I didn't know if I was going to come today um, with everything going on with Jenna um, and the season we're in. Um, And it was funny sitting with my dad, uh, because as I was doing that, I realized... I've been sitting next to him for 30 years. Um, I was actually in the womb sitting next to him when they started in my mom's belly. <laughs>
2: he's he's legitimately the first baby ever born in Kensington history. He's in, um, the, he's in the book.
7: So it's special for me because, I mean, obviously the pandemic's been an interesting season for everyone, but I don't think I've sat next to you in a service at Kensington since February. Mm. Um, so it's special to be able to do that today at your last Sunday service. Um, and I, I, I have a couple things I wanted to say uh, for my dad because today's about him, but also I believe today is about my mom, um, where it, you know she's coming to an end too, and she's given so much to Kenzie and so much to this ministry. And as my dad said, I think the enemy attacks not just pastors, but he, he attacks pastors' wives because the most influential person in a pastor's wife, life is his wife. And obviously, there's women pastors as well. And my mom has been a fiery pillar for yep. Jesus for 30, 40 years. Yeah. And so I know she's watching. So mom, I wanna say thank you to her. And, and I, she asked me to read this. Uh, she wrote this for my dad today. She said this, Dave, thank you for your faithfulness to me, to our family, to the church, and especially to Jesus. You are humble, yet so gifted. I have watched you follow Jesus and seek him for 40 years. I've watched you lead hundreds of people into the relationship with Jesus and baptize them. I've watched you live out your faith tirelessly when it hasn't been easy. You are steady and consistent, never wavering in your love for God in all these years I've known you. Your words have always matched your life. Who you are on this stage has always matched your life under our roof. You are a man of integrity, and that's a rare thing these days. Jesus asked you to follow him and you have. I thank you today, our kids and grandkids thank you today, and this whole church thanks you today for being a man of honor who has loved Jesus and followed your call faithfully for 30 years and for being pastor, my pastor, and our pastor. We are all so grateful for you, and we applaud you today. Love you, and. Hmm.
2: Thank
7: you. If you guys would, yeah, why don't you stand up, give my dad, even my mom, a round of applause today for their service, for their faithfulness, uh, which has been incredible. I know he doesn't like it, but I can, we can we can give it up for him a little
2: bit, which is exciting. Um, it doesn't really count as a standing ovation when you're forced to do it.
8: <laughs> oh, hey!
7: Right over there, someone stood before I asked. That's right. right, right there. All
2: right, you
7: guys, you guys can sit down. Um, and, and I was going to share real quick. Hey, and you know, I love you. If I ask people to stand, not many pastors' kids would ask people to applaud their dad. Um, but I was thinking, I, I of, of two moments, the moment that came to my mind that I feel like encapsulates who you are. I was thinking about. I was 16 years old. I was a sophomore playing football at Rochester Adams. My dad was one of the coaches there. And I am nervous as all get out. It's our first home game. And at Adams, if you guys have ever been there, it's pretty epic on game day, okay? <laughs> and so we're at the top of the hill, and there's this bagpiper, and the lights are on, and it's dusk. And I am nervous as can be. Adrenaline rocking. Don't want to mess up.
2: I and my, remember this moment. My dad's right next
7: to me, and this what he says will encapsulate everything. He goes... I'm just sitting there nervous, like probably a little teary because I'm all fired up and he's next to me and I just hear, whoa, this is awesome, baby. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. (laughs) And you know, for me growing up with my dad, most children feel like, man, if I perform well enough tonight, maybe my dad will love me or maybe he'll get some identity from me um, doing that. And the great thing about me is I'm pretty intense Um, and I can perform for people's love, but I've never had to do that for my dad, and I've never had to do that for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And what's beautiful is he was just there, like my dad brings joy, and he brings fun. And I always say, if you're with my dad, you're gonna ball out, and you're gonna have fun doing it. Mm -hmm. And I've had the pleasure of being a part of that. And, and living in that joy, and just feeling like, man, I believe that's a vision of the Father in heaven. When you're, like, you get out of the boat, he's not like, you better do it good enough. He's like, whoa, let's go, baby! You know what I mean? And I just, I just felt that, and knowing that you're sitting next to someone, like, when we play sports, it's like, he's gonna close, and he's gonna hit the game winner, and he's gonna ball out. Like, growing up, having confidence in your dad, like, he's gonna show up, and he's gonna make it happen, is beautiful. And the thing I was thinking the other day, I was with my son, Bryce, who is my boy. Don't mess with Bryce, I'll take you out. And, uh, He's like my best friend, you know, and we hang out and we're snuggling by the Christmas tree. And I had this thought that my dad never got to do this with his dad. Um, Hmm. And one of the reasons I have an opportunity to do that with my son is because of the legacy and the shifting that my parents have brought, as my dad would say, not through their effort, but through the power of Jesus through them. And I remember just sitting there kind of feeling bad, being like, my dad never got this. And we've talked when you had kids, he didn't have a dad to model. So when he had kids, it was like, for us, he was like, I don't even know what I'm doing. And I know for me, when I had my son Bryce, I was like, I really feel like I'm going to be a great dad. Not because I'm strong, but because I've had it modeled to me my whole life. And so I would just say to that, like I think of my family and I look at that video, like my life has been radically different than my mom's life and my dad's life because of their commitment, their surrender and their yes to Jesus. And that's the power of the resurrection of Christ in all of us. And so I wanted to honor you that for being joyful next to me, for loving me so great, but for setting a new legacy and a new standard and shifting the region of Metro Detroit because of your yes to Jesus through you, Mark and Steve and, and Callie and Paula and mom. So I just wanna say thank you to so my dad and honor you guys I think we got a song thanks so man. yeah thanks.
2: yeah we got a song stand up let's <laughs> woo let's sing a song baby <laughs> thanks man
8: For your strength.
2: Wednesday is the 23rd. We have two services. Wednesday, I'm doing those, and then Thursday, all day, we got Christmas Eve all the way through uh, 11 p.m., and then it's Christmas Day, and uh, the staff are all coming up here. I don't know what they're doing. Susan got me some kind of gift. I figured it out for service.
3: I, I guess they're giving me the same was distracted by Cody. Gift. It's all Cody's father. I was over there talking. Right. He was dogging my gift here. I don't know. All right, you guys, we just wanted to take a moment It's uh, Dave's team just to to tell him how much we have loved serving beside him for such a long time. And uh, as I said, Dave, it, you know, what you see is what you get. When you're with Dave, you're working, you're on a winning team because that's how we all feel, right, you guys? And if we, if this whole COVID thing wasn't real, we would all share our hearts, but, you know, with Dave, truly, he loves Jesus, he loves his family, he loves this church, and he loves football. And that is Dave Wilson. And he's been um, he's been my family's pastor for 20 years. So basically, you were a big part of the faith journey of my boys and my husband and I. So thank you, Dave. We've, thank you. We really appreciated a you a ton. And Cody as well. So it's good to have him here, Cody, yeah. for sure. So, um, you guys, Craig could not be here today, but since he saw Anne, got to read something, he wrote something for you as well, you right. No! Yes, he did, Come he on, did. it's already over. I'm not even kidding, I'm gonna read
2: something. We're like 10 minutes over. Okay, here it
3: is. Hey Dave, first let me say I'm sorry I can't be there in person today, but I am celebrating with you nonetheless. Although I am still newer to the Orient community, you have had a profound impact on me from a distance for many years. Your love for Jesus, your passion for everyone to know him, and your dedication to his church is incredible. I will forever be thankful for your willingness and courage to say yes when God moved you to start Kensington. I'm confident that as God calls you to your new adventure, not only will you have incredible impact there too, but your impact here will continue to ripple for many years to come. Thank you for being a disciple who finished this part of his journey. Wow. Well. Thank you for many sacrifices over the years, for your faithfulness, for not quitting when I know at times it would have been easy. And thank you for always pointing us all to Jesus. So,
5: that's all <laughs> i Craig.
3: Thanks, Craig. So, Dave, we love you. We all pitched in. We got you a little something. <laughs> the first service, I,
2: I reached down here because they said it's a putter. And I'm like, no, that's a driver. And actually, it's a left-handed driver. And I'm right-handed. So, and it's used. It looks like it's been hit a few rocks.
3: Yeah, it's hit a couple rocks. So this you know? is my
2: team. This is what this they is give it. me. This is what
3: we do. 30 this years of
2: sweat. I got a driver I can't hit. So thank you very much. No, oh,
3: you're welcome. But we actually got you something to buy a real one.
2: With. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yes. They know I need a driver. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. We love you, Dave. Hey, God bless. Bye. See you later.
3: Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to the Kensington Church Podcast. If you've enjoyed this recording, check back weekly for new content. You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course at kensingtonchurch.org.